0: Network Automation Nerds Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Network Automation Nerds Podcast, a podcast about network automation, network engineering, Python, and a whole lot of technology topics. I'm your host, Eric Cho. Today on the show, we'll be welcome, uh, Adam, from network to code to talk about testing in network automation. I think this is a very important topic that is often overlooked, especially when you're just getting started out with network automation, for example. You, know, you don't really think about your code quality, your testing. Um, it doesn't happen until later, but it is a very important topic nonetheless. And I was really happy to read about um, Adam's three-part, uh, three-part blog post on this specific topic. So i um, very happy and excited to welcome Adam to the show. So Adam, how are you?
1: Thanks, Eric. Uh, I'm doing really well. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed the blog post. You know, I totally agree with you that it's something that's overlooked a lot, and that's kind of what led me to make those blog posts um, to help, yeah. help beginners, kind of. <laughs> I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think it's also a very wide topic, right? Like, I mean, they're actually positions within companies that are test engineers. So therefore a lot of times you you talk about testing and you could be having a conversation with somebody for 10 minutes and you're actually talking about different kind of testing.
1: Yeah. And just the number of stages that testing is implemented in is just astounding. Like, you know, regression testing, unit testing, integration testing, like system testing. It just goes on and on. And the more you learn, as with many things, you know, the more you you learn you don't know because you just keep snowballing into more and more uh, subjects.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that was, yeah, that was in reference to actually some, some of the, sometimes, you know, I, I feel people anyways, like let's, let's table that because I am very excited to dive into the topic, but I always want to start with, you know, your origin story, your background, and how did you get into networking and technology and all of that? So so, Adam, you know, before we dive into PyTest, Python testing, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into technology and uh, and your origin story, basically?
1: Yeah, um, I'll start uh, talking about, I guess, how I how I got into networking. Um, like sure. like many people, I I wasn't I, I wasn't a network automation engineer. You know, that wasn't uh, my first job. I was just a regular network engineer. Um, mm-hmm. And I was probably about 19 uh, and my uncle worked for Cisco for like 22 years. Oh my Um, God. Wow. Yeah. He was there from like the eighties to 2000 or something like that.
0: Um, (laughs) He was there when the bridge was just red. Yeah, uh. (laughs) he was.
1: And I have like, he gave me a Cisco Letterman jacket that he got for his like 10 year anniversary, but it was really cool. Anyway. Yeah. um, I was kind of deciding, you know, what I want to do post high school. Uh, he said, sure. like, you know, you should go get your CCNA um, mm-hmm. and, and venture into that. I was like, I don't know. Um, but I did. So I did. <laughs> so I got oh, my wow. CCNA. Um, yeah. And then, you know, from there, I, I started getting into very, and you know, help desk was kind of my first my first job. Yeah. And then from there, you know, you kind of talk with some network engineers like, oh, can I look over your shoulder while you do this configuration or add a route or whatever? Yeah. Um, So I did that for a while. And then I actually got a, it's like a, like a tier one network position for Whole Foods Mm -hmm. um, in Denver, Colorado. And I was there for a few years and I wanted to increase my networking knowledge. So I studied up for a CCMP um, and got that CCMP. And while I was there, I actually finished my undergrad in computer science Mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to be a software developer you know I thought this networking stuff wouldn't last I guess <laughs> uh, I was like this is cool like but I want to you know I want to be the cool guy making yeah making video games or you know the next Excel or I don't know something did but, you tell
0: that to, did you tell to your uncle this networking yeah. thing is not not going anywhere this internet fab yeah. is gonna yeah. just gonna fade really soon
1: yeah this isn't gonna go anywhere but exactly uh, it did and I kept getting better jobs and then um after after Whole Foods, I actually moved to where I live now. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Some in the okay. Midwest. Uh, and I got a job for one of the Indian Nations here. We have mm-hmm. you know we have the reservation land and stuff, right? And uh, for one of their casinos here, and it, it's a pretty small shop. There's only you know five network engineers, sure. Um, but from there, uh, I, I was because there were so few of us. Uh, We touched everything, you know, I touched WLCs, I touched MDSs in the data center, I touched, you know, Nexus 9Ks, 2950s, and, and, you know, access switches, just everything, like Cisco ICE, uh, you know, ASAs, and I was there for four and a half years, and and that's where I really learned, I guess, you know, about about everything Cisco had to offer, a very Cisco shop. Right, Um, right. But somewhere Um, in there. Yeah, I was just going to say somewhere in there, uh, maybe two and a half years in, it was probably 2017, early 2017. Um, uh, there's a company here called Quick Trip, QT. That's uh, okay. a gas station company. But Network to Code actually had a contract with QT. And QT had a lunch and learn about their automation journey uh, with mm-hmm. Network to Code up to that point, what they're planning to do, how they were doing it. Um, I went to that and yeah. I was like, I can combine, you know, some programming I've learned with this networking stuff and yeah. spent the next three years just playing with stuff. Every, <laughs> every chance, like every chance I got at, at my job, you know, automate everything from like updating IP phones to updating VLANs to, to anything, anything I could, I could, I could try and automate. I did.
0: Um, right.
1: And that was kind of where that journey started. To, That's nice. Know, I'm here.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Our family donates buckets of money to Whole Foods every week, um, <laughs> so, so it's nice <laughs> to see. So it's nice to see we contribute a little bit to your yeah. college education. You um, did, you know, where where we hand the money to? That's like I, like a black hole to us. Now I know it's Amazon, but
1: yeah, now it's know. Amazon. <laughs> not, not, not my day. It was just Whole yeah, food.
0: yeah. No, but, but it's interesting. You also mentioned the. Uh, the, resorts, right? the casino reserve resorts because yeah. back when i was in uh palm desert so of course there's like a huge um uh, casino and indian reserves over there in fact you couldn't you couldn't get by you, you couldn't get to the desert cities without uh crossing a large chunk of the reserve land oh, wow. um so we uh we had to deal with that but it's interesting you mentioned cisco because for their network, because I, I talked to their network admin a lot too, uh, back when I was working for the ISP and we had to uh, give them, you know, fiber access and all of that. It's a very closed loop system, right? So like it's never connected to the internet. I, I wonder why. <laughs> no, no, but it's yeah. a closed loop, right? And then they, they, they're doing odds and all the uh, slot machines or whatnot, they're monitoring, very stat driven. Um, so I was kind of surprised that you mentioned there were a Cisco shop, but I guess, it's like the software-wise is closed loop, but, you know, the transport is, you know, just, just yeah. data pipes, right?
1: Yeah, and to speak to that, like, everything everything we got, any any appliances we stood up, you know, was on-prem. It was always yeah. on-prem. Um, right, that's
0: because, what I heard too.
1: Yeah, you, you we couldn't use any, like, we used Cisco WebEx or Teams or, you know, whatever. It was WebEx, but um, yeah. that was, like, the only... Cloud thing we used, you know, we had a DNA Center instance on prem. Microsoft Exchange was on prem. Like they're very, it has to be on on uh, you know reservation land. So that's kind of kind of why they have it that way. But it allows me to touch a lot of stuff, you know, that might live in the (laughs) cloud, like. I, yeah. can, I can stand up ice in VMware now, <laughs> I guess, if I needed to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I would say I would compare this to um, kind of the federal services. So, you know, back in a lot of the, uh, you know, cloud providers or um, even just service provider in general, they have a dedicated um, team that service the government and like the federal government because you have have certain kind of clearance and certain kind of practices that are very unique. To that that vertical, and I would say it's even more restrictive um, in the uh, in that in the you know the casino and gambling gaming space. Uh, but mm-hmm. but it's cool, right? I mean, you've been there for like three three years, so it's not a short time. It's definitely good exposure. It sounded like,
1: yeah, it was really good and and helped me, um, you know, and with with the kind of integrating automation and in that it allowed me to do automation on other things. Other than just you know routers and switches and stuff, it allowed me to play with uh you know unified Cisco unified communication stuff and firewalls and and even automating things in ice and stuff like that, which was good I think for me,
0: yeah, for sure i mean so before before this uh podcast started, we actually go went into a little bit about your college education and you wanted to and you also uh alluded to earlier that you wanted to be a programmer, but what i guess what um besides just kind of the flow and, and life, <laughs> I guess. Um, but did you, I guess, how did that impact your decisions later on uh, regarding automation? And um, how come you never went into application development or just a developer job full-time in general?
1: Yeah, Um, it, it might sound a little cheesy, but I really <laughs> liked the idea that like I had the power to connect multiple systems, I guess. Uh, you know one one computer system can only do so much by itself for Uh, sure and you need that connectivity that's what really makes you know computers work so that idea behind the synergy of computers just really intrigued me so i liked the networking stuff um i also liked that it was kind of a black box to a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, even you know i would even say i know software developers who are just like yeah i don't know i i just Hope I have internet. You know, when I plug this in, I don't know really what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so I really like knowing like how these routers get routing peers and what protocols are used, and I kind of liked having that knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me too. So I, I I got my first internship at an ISP, and I remember just thinking about, um, you know, that's how it works. That's mm-hmm. that's just bubble gums and duct tapes, right? <laughs> Like I'm yep. surprised even like passing traffic, but <laughs> there we are. We're selling it for money, and um no, I I hear you completely. I could a, I couldn't agree more. Right, like it's fun to going, uh, to really know about peering exchanges and
1: yeah. you know, it's just not. It's, so many people take the internet for granted. You know, right? I like, I like to know what I'm using and kind of like how it's working. Even like everything from driving a car, you know, like. I'm not a mechanic, but mm-hmm. I'll watch YouTube videos about, you know, an alternator in a car or how the engine <laughs> components work just because I think it's good to know if you're using it every yeah.
0: day. <laughs> yeah. You never know when you would need it, right?
1: Yeah. You never know. And then you're knowledgeable when you need to talk about it, at least a little bit. Right.
0: Right. So, like, it's it's one of those things. Um, yeah, me too. So, I remember the first time I w- wanted to buy my wife a wedding ring I went in and I didn't know anything about it. And they were just talking about like clarity. I I thought it was just a matter of size, right? It's really not about that. It's about the cut. It's about clarity. It's about like, uh, anyway, so I went home. I did like maybe 20 minutes of research and uh, it was back on Blue Niles too. And it was like 20 minutes of research. Next time I went in, I feel so much more like knowledgeable. And I feel like the BS level just went down by 50%. That's the thing, (laughs)
1: right? Like it doesn't take that much time, but just, get your foot in there about some subject and you're you're miles ahead, I think.
0: Right, which is a nice gateway to talk about PyTest. So you mentioned, you know, you're a networking guy, CLI, but you were thirst for knowledge. You really wanted to know how things work, but how does that translate into PyTest, testing, and Python?
1: Yeah, so uh, I fell victim to... Sorry, there's an airplane going by. Uh, I fell victim no, to, you know, the... As someone who starts coming coming from a network engineer position to an automation engineer, um, and even you know computer science class I took, testing wasn't a really thing. I, yeah, I had to take an elective on software development, and it was talked about, right? Um, but I, I never really implemented it. Computer science is all math, you know. All, all I took was math. It feels like all I took was math. <laughs> um, but so when I first started, um, I didn't I didn't test anything. I didn't I knew it, but you just want to get stuff working you know you put hours into understanding the syntax and uh how how things work you just want to see some kind of result you know
0: yeah you
1: you want to be able to even if you're just changing the description on an interface um who i couldn't tell you how many hours that took me to initially get uh including research you know you gotta read about netmiko and yeah. how these things work and then you once you start reading about that you start deep diving into like oh man how's this working and what what happens when i send a list of commands and stuff like that. but yeah testing wasn't really a forethought in in my mind um and it was only really once i got to network to code that was they were like oh yeah you, you know you kind of you need this you know testing is part of of developing software and that's right. that's i think the uh, the line between kind of someone who just scripts and someone who mm-hmm. just who actually makes automation suites for, uh, for networking, at least one of, one of the differentiators.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's good to see that they're uh, preaching good hygiene, right? So, yeah. so I think you're, you're, you're right about, uh, initially it's, it's of course you want to get things to work. What, 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 there's nothing to test if you don't have working code, mm-hmm. but once you first get that code working, you do have to start thinking about maintainability, uh, testability. Well, not even testability, but just, you know, having other people to review your code and how can you be sure that it's working after the third generation, or even a month later, you come back to it and you're not really sure what, what you have done and then you make a change, uh, you know, then do you just, you know, pray and that everything works? Right. How, how, how can you statistically verify um, that it's working?
1: Yeah. And if anyone is like me, you know, you write your code, but you're like, how do I know for sure that this is doing, like, there's some black magic in there. And how do I know that every time I run this, it's going to do that? That was a right. thought in my head as I, as I got introduced to testing and how how to think about it, I guess, you know, you're just, Validating, yeah, it's going to work 99% of the time. Um, yeah. But it's, it's assurance to have that test there. And it's just good hygiene, you know. Um,
2: we'll be back after a quick break.
1: Hi,
0: I'm Esprit DeVora. I created Women in Tech so listeners could walk away feeling if she can do it, so can I. I do not have an inclination if I will succeed at this,
1: but I have nothing that will hold me back. It's
0: not anything new that women are here. It's
1: new that we're hearing our stories. I'm afraid of doing, but I'm too curious not to do it. You have a lot more power than you probably think you do.
0: You got this. Subscribe to Women in Tech wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It also, is also when you have external ex- uh, dependability, right? So a lot of times when we when we do uh, write scripts or when we write our our functions, we actually are talking to the switch, we're talking to the router or UCS, whatever APIs. Um, when you have that dependability, uh, it introduces variables, right? So how do you know? That when something breaks, it's not you; it's the other guy, or vice versa, right? Like it is you, so mm-hmm. you know better. Go go straighten up your function or whatnot. Um. So those are all the different things that testing could could give you.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, to that point in the fact that we do interact with uh, switches and routers,
2: they mm-hmm. don't
1: natively send us. Well, okay, now now as we as automation develops, they do, but they don't natively send us uh, structured data. You no, know, right. you query a twenty nine fifty. You're not querying some awesome Nexus API. You're querying. <laughs> you're getting a text file of text back. Um, yeah, and you know there can be there's so many variations of, of what you could possibly get back. Right. Um, those tests can you can account for that? I account yeah, for and.
0: For sure, and as more and more abstraction that you're introducing, right? Because, like you said, at the very, very low level, you're actually getting a text file and output back, and it's up to the program to terminate and, uh, you know, watch for those keywords to to say these are the outputs that you grab back. But they abstract that for you, so you do get structured data if you use something like Paramiko or uh, I'm sorry, uh, NetMico or mm-hmm. Napalm or whatever. But what if those modules don't work? What if you need to troubleshoot even lower than that? Right. So, uh, but anyways, so those are the, the testing, like I guess the whys of why we need testing. And uh, it seems like that's, that's once you get to network to code, they preach high good hygiene and that was an area you start to dive into.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think I just want to add one more reason that came to my mind. Of course. Uh, was the fact that we are so open source. When you have, Anyone uh, when, when when anyone can contribute something, you need to verify. Uh, you know, I guess you would call regression testing that any changes or any, anything they add doesn't break the functionality of of what's already there. Um, so that's a that's another important one and, and why for testing.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think we should um, we should keep in mind like everybody who's listening to the podcast may have different familiarities and different levels. Of uh, coding experience, mm. so maybe we should dive into. So, what is regression testing? Can you give us a you know five thousand uh, feet overview?
1: Yeah. So, regression testing, at least the way I I, I learned it and kind of view it, is sure. it's there and it can be typically what I see it is our unit tests, um, mm-hmm. which we can talk about unit tests, but sure. they test functionality of the code. Um, post-change post, post change almost. Um, right. And they're run every time. Typically, they're running, you know, a CI pipeline sure. uh, to kind of check that, that validation that the code is still running. But yeah. in short and sweet, it's there to test that your code still functions exactly how you thought it did, given any changes in the code. It's kind of yeah. how I
0: view it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when somebody... Um, for example, when I was working for uh, for Microsoft, you know, typically when you release a software version, the first thing you do is just want to make sure you didn't break anything that was already existing. Mm. So, so to me, that's my you know uh, my definition of uh, testing, right? Like a regression testing was just like you didn't break anything that was yeah. working before, and if you had, you better go back and just you know see what what broke, figure um, out why exactly and and good tests would tell you we're pointing to the the right direction if not the precise point right
1: yeah i mean adding tests in general is good hygiene but adding effective tests and efficient tests is a whole nother iceberg (laughs) like you got a new whole career path it, it really is it's crazy
0: yeah yeah i i would say um until I started working for a software company like Microsoft, I didn't know there were actual career paths for uh project managers as well as testing test engineers right mm-hmm. like there's you could actually go all the way up so typically, what I saw was in other companies I worked for it was you get developers or so which is like engineering track, you get management track, and that was it right so you could you have your your clear path to you know maybe to a principal engineer or to uh, uh, you know, CEOs and VPs. So those are the two tracks. But when I get to Microsoft, at least back then, it was like, no, you can actually get to partners of being a PM. You can actually get to, you know, very high level as a test engineer. So there was, those were like the four verticals you could actually get to, and and it's like a testament to how deep you could get for testing.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I I would say it's. More like it's prevalent in in network automation, obviously. But you know sure. the testing foundation comes from software development. You know that's where it started. Uh, yeah, and I think as network automation becomes more uh, standard, yeah, uh, and adopted, you know, there will be positions purely for uh, testing network automation suites.
0: Yeah, at least to a certain level, right? Because I do see the ecosystem evolving really fast and just. And part of it is, as you alluded to, was because software development has been doing this for a long time. So we're kind of just taking some of the practices over, adapting into the networking contact, as you have done for your blog post. So, you know, before we dive into PyTest, can you just tell us the difference between uh, what you said before, integration uh, unit tests, integration testing, end-to-end testing or system level testing? So what are the differences between those?
1: Yeah, so... Uh unit tests are testing a single point of functionality um, sure and my initial blog post I think it's my first one um, mm-hmm. the example I pull uh, was a function to standardize mac addresses uh you know Arista, Cisco can have different formats of, of mac addresses uh, sure so you may you may write a function uh you know you say your boss your boss wanted a list of all the MAC addresses, or something of of all the switches at some site. Sure. Um, you and he wanted them in the same format. You know, you might need to write a function that takes input of all these different format MAC addresses and makes makes them into one. Uh, and the unit test in that case is ensuring that given expected input to that function, it produces uh, the expected output. Um, and that's a that's a self contained uh, function. Typically at least what I've seen, are unit tests tied to functions. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the way I, I thought of it as I first started getting into it.
0: Sure. So how is that different from, say, integration test? Oh, by the way, we're going to link all the um, all of the uh, uh, Adam's uh, blog posts and all the resources that we talk about in this blog post. Um, but if you're watching it over YouTube, you have the benefit of following alone uh, the blog post as you know as what you know uh, Adam was uh, uh, Adam was referring to like your your function and so on. Um, so you know unit tests for sure. So you're testing like a little piece of code and um, or function or just you know s- scope wise is just code level. So what how's that different from integration testing or system level testing?
1: Yeah, integration testing I see as um, testing to Two things that interact uh, in my head. An example of that would be like um, testing your the your MAC address function, but prior to that, testing um, that you know you're able to get the MAC address table from a switch. Sure. Um, and you might write a test that tests those in conjunction uh, or those integrated. You know, and you have an integration test. That's kind of mm-hmm. that's how I view it. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Go ahead.
1: I, I think, and part of the reason I wrote the blog is to kind of to think of these tests in terms of networking because, like we mentioned earlier, these do come from software development, and I think mm-hmm. it's a little easier to think about it uh, in software development world. Um, you know, an integration test might be you're testing, uh, you know, you have a web page or whatever, and you click a button, and it contacts the database and sends something back. You know, um, that's an integration test, and that that's Initially it was easier for me to wrap my head around because you're like, oh yeah, it's you know different different parts of a system uh, that that are integrated, and you're just making sure it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, I would agree to that hundred percent. Is just your unit testing, uh, and then the next, you just you know, you're you're kind of low level, so. I mean, we're a network engineer, so you're almost looking at kind of layer one or two, right? So those are your low-level blocks. You're looking at very specific uh, point that you're testing for, like does this return the MAC address that I'm looking for uh, in a good format? Mm -hmm. Um, And then integration testing will be one level up where you're testing multiple components where maybe, uh, like you said, a web API plus some switch, and so you're integrating. And then the end-to-end testing is where you're moving up even further so it would be bunch of integration testing tied together and you're behaving almost like a user where you're just uh testing the feature end to end make sure it doesn't nothing break so that's my own you know thoughts and personal opinion on different levels um, but your blog specifically all three parts of that block uh deals with you know, kind of the ins and outs of, uh, the, the unit test portion. Correct. Mm
1: -hmm. Correct. Um, that's, I think the most prevalent, at least what I've had experience with, uh, so that's kind of why the blogs cater to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's also why I wanted to point out is because it's always easier for me to compartmentalize when I'm trying to learn something new. So, Let's just say you're new to testing. If you're listening to this podcast, you're new. Learn to uh, you're you're new to testing and you hear all these tools about Batfish or q or PyTest and Unit Test Module and Python. All of these, so you you kind of want to just compartmentalize. So the the Batfish and Suzy q of the world, they deal with higher levels of testing. I'll, I'll go ahead and um, include a a link in the show notes where the two founders of um, uh, you know, Batfish and Suzy Q, uh, Dinesh, Dutt, and Ratul, um they they actually wrote a blog post about this whole overview. Um, so that's good to compartmentalize. So if you're listening to those tools, then those that's that level. But what we're talking about here is really about uh, like very detailed testing of specific code on unit tests, but in a network, uh, network engineering context. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I almost see, you know, Batfish and Suzy Q as... Uh, if we were to kind of go back to our, our three testing categories, almost a system system test, because you're testing, yeah. you know, if you think of, you know, X number of network devices as a system, right? Uh, that's kind of what, what those are catering to.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you define what that system is, but it's a system nonetheless, yeah, right. multiple yeah, components. Did. Yeah, you could be a data center or it could just be a rack of switches, but, you know, nonetheless, it is interconnected. It is part of that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, you specifically use PyTest um, for right. your examples, right? So so maybe just as a general overview, so there's three parts to your blog, blog's uh, series, right? So right. can you just tell us what's the, f- you know, kind of a, the general overview, what the first part care, uh, covers, what the second part is, and then what the third part is?
1: Um, Do you have the first one pulled up? It was
0: yeah, one. so the first one is right here. So I think you talked about, you know, just... Oh um, first yeah, of all, testing that function and then fixtures. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so the idea behind the first one was uh, to one introduce um, pytest and kind of what mm-hmm. the idea of a, of a test function looks like. Um, right. And then on top of that, uh, there is the concept called of parameterizing something. Sure. Um, and I run over that in the, in the in this blog post, and the idea um, behind parameterization. Is, is actually is actually really cool, and yeah. I didn't know this at first. So, you know, I was I was banging my head when I was trying to write a test, and you know, and I thought to myself, you know, this function isn't always going to expect this input. Like, how do I how do I test multiple inputs into this same function? And then, you know, you copy my, and
0: paste, of course, right?
1: My naive first <laughs> was like, I copy this, I write it again, and just change the input, right. and I'm done, um, right? but then you have like a 500 line test Python file that tests like two functions. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I, what I started. And then, you know, you learn about about this parameterization. Right. What what this does is allows you to use a single test, um, but input different sets of data into that test. Uh, Right. And it's a really neat feature. And, the best part about it is that the assert statements and what what you're testing, um, as you loop through this data set, each test mm-hmm. is, is its own test. Um, right. Another point I do make in the blog is that you could pass in a list of values to your test. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that single test fails on the second item in that list, it's just, it's just going to stop and fail. It's not going to test all the other ones after that because you're you're fundamentally just running one test uh just with a list of data rather than you know one one data um, and I try and give those examples in that in that blog post because that really sets the foundation for why parameterization is so important and so widely used
0: yeah it is it is a cool concept, right and it's um if you're just starting out in i guess coding uh the parameters might be. Not as intuitive, but um but essentially, it's um you're doing ninety percent the same stuff, but you just want to switch up the input data, and that is what a perimeter gives you in a function. And so if you overlay that concept with testing is your testing, your your test stays the same, but you want to feed in different types of data to make sure like they all you know behave correctly. Ah, uh, without writing, like if you want to feed in fifty uh, you know values, you don't want to write fifty functions or copy and paste them, you just want to swap that out and over and over again
1: mm-hmm. and just run run them uh, you know one after another really quick,
0: yeah. and um, and like you said, right? You want them to behave as individual tests. And that's why you alluded to sure. your in your blog is you want to run them as different tests as opposed to, so what's it? I guess, what's the difference between running a, a, uh, running all of them at the same time versus running individually as different tests?
2: We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Do you want to change the world? Former Tesla executive turned podcaster, Billy Samoa is on a mission to help you do it. His show, Inside Out, reveals transformational insights that can literally change your life. If you're a changemaker who wants to make an impact while you're on
2: this planet, then this is the podcast for you. Through deep dive interviews with the world's most
0: remarkable people, your mind will be filled with new ideas and perspectives that will give you the secrets you need to make your mark. Go to insightoutshow.com or subscribe to Insight Out on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Um. I guess do you mean as when you run like when you use parameterization versus when you don't,
0: yeah, like when you don't use parameterization, you just feed in you know a bunch of values um versus treating each of the uh value as an individual test as far as like coverage reports or
1: uh, oh okay yeah, you know like yeah, yeah, so um when you obviously when you do when you just do one test with you know you could send in a list of fifty items but yeah, uh, coverage is going to treat that as one test, and if that fails, you know, if the first forty-nine items you you pass in uh, pass your test, but the fiftieth fails, like that whole test fails, um, right? As opposed to each individual test, you know, cover would say, "Oh, you had forty-nine that worked and one that didn't."
0: Right. Yeah. So, for example, if you're like your your example was about um, testing. Uh, mac address formats right like mm-hmm. so you normalize your mac address and you want to make sure like all of the mac addresses are formatted in a certain way just because uh like if you think of your host your mac address is probably you know represented in hex hex you know uh column, column. hex hex whatever right yeah. and versus it's like four hex columns. <laughs> they're all a little different sometimes they're capitalized they're not capitalized and that's what your function does um to the example function does is to normalize into the same way um but you then you want to test out all these different scenarios that you encounter um to to make sure like you know these values are are feeding the same way are turn out to normalize actually indeed will normalize them
1: yeah because um and i think in the blog post i might even put an example of a mac address like you if you were to add something to parameterization and 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 your function doesn't doesn't normalize that, like it'll yeah. tell you uh, and it when you parameterize it, it's in a single test and it tells you the exact value that it failed on um, yeah. and it's just rather than like, oh yeah, this whole test failed so that's, right it's it, a really good I think that's a probably one of the more important blog posts. I mean, I only have three, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but imagine you have three hundred, right? Yeah. So instead of telling you your code sucks, go fix it, go, go fix it. Um, it's telling you no, your your code ninety percent is okay. But this yeah. value, like when you treat, you know, I don't know, uh I don't know uh what's hacks go up to F, right? So G, you know, if you have a G in there then it's it's you know uh, yeah. but anyways, yeah, it will tell you specifically where it's failing, but as opposed to uh just tell you go go look it up. It failed, uh, but it will tell you where it failed.
1: Yeah. And that kind of lends to what we said, where writing tests is good hygiene, but also writing good tests is, is uh, you know, efficient tests and informative tests. Uh, it's kind of, you know, the same uh, train of thought when you write, you know, exception handling, you know, you right. don't want to just like, yeah, you know, something went wrong. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> right. Good luck. Yeah. You, know, you want to exactly. try and try and send something back uh so it's kind of the same idea with test
0: yeah i agree it's it's more like an art than it i mean really writing good good ones is really more like an art
1: it really is and and i think i think that's probably one of the hardest parts of of adopting writing tests and i think one of the reasons why i put it off for so long is mm-hmm. it's not as simple as like I have this Mac address and I want it to look like this. Like I know exactly my end goal. Right. I know what I need to do. You know, I can get on stack overflow and find how to manipulate a string in Python and you're Mm -hmm. like, all right, it works. When you think Mm -hmm. about tests, you know, you can't really, you can't really Google, you know, how to test the function you wrote. Like you have to critically think about how am I going to test this? Um, And that, in the beginning, that's really scary. It was very, very scary for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, scary for me too. I yeah. think I think that's what um, that's what makes it a fantastic tester versus just somebody who's so-so. You know, like he's able to he or she is able to do uh, stuff really elegantly, and you can't really judge that um, elegancy, especially in testing because you know all at the end of the day you just get. Uh, fail or pass Mm -hmm. right Uh, but but you know it's it's only when you understand it completely like you said that you you could start uh, appreciate the elegance of a a good test or elegance of a a good test code i don't know
1: yeah it's it's crazy stuff it's an art for sure
0: yeah which brings us to a good good question in the next question i have is you know if we already have unit test module in Python, so why why do we need to use PyTest? So can you give us a, a reason why you pick PyTest over just standard library unit tests?
1: Yeah. Um the the main reason is yeah. when I started, you know, learning unit tests and using the unit test library. Yeah. Is it was confusing for me. Um yeah. there's a lot of boilerplate code, you know, you have to have classes. Um yeah. It's not as succinct as pytest or extensible, for for, from what I found. Um, Yeah, it's a lot cleaner, and you'll notice, like in my in the blog post, when I have like to write a test function, you're you're more or less writing a Python function. Like you don't necessarily need to understand how classes work and you know inheriting, and you don't have to really deal with that. You're you're writing a Python test, and pytest. Um, while yes, it ab- adds more abstraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easier to learn and follow. Right. And yeah, I would agree with
0: that. Bit. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people uh, would start, or I don't know of a lot of people, but many people would start with nose or unitest, which are two other, you know, like kind of testing libraries or, or frameworks um, to begin with but they'll quickly find it not as intuitive. And I think yeah. I would agree with you, like the learning curve is certainly higher, right? Just like, it's almost like the difference between Java and, and Python, right? In order to just do a hello world in Java, you got to like do a public or private class. You got to yeah. do a main function. You got to call that main function. You got to worry about these you know curly brackets. And before you even start, you just got defeated, right? Yeah, <laughs> You're just like, what is all this?
1: And and at least for me, you know, it tells you, like you said in Java, you know, you have to write all this stuff. Like, I want to know why I'm writing this stuff. So there goes another 10 hours, like, reading about <laughs> why I'm writing this class here and private versus static versus public. So uh, using the PyTest gets you immediately into testing, I think.
0: Yeah. And like also, that. like you said, right, you want to understand why. So if you're using a class... You have to use uh, it, to do um, so here's that kind of anatomy of a a test function right and you will see this in in um, Adam's blog post. So you would get you know you would define something and then you would get some kind of input and then you will you will kind of compare that input uh, compare the results of that input when you feed it back in and you would either do like an equal or not equal or something to determine the success or failure. Of that test, right? So those are the three kind of main parts of a test, and in Py- in unit tests, if you use class, you have to use like self.assert, right? mm-hmm. Self.equals, self dot right? Self dot equal, self dot you know assert not equal, whatever. So if you're truly wanting to understand, then you have to go into, uh, you know, like object-oriented programming, why yeah. you use a self versus not. Um, so definitely that learning curve, uh, as opposed to what y- you would see in um, Adam's Black post, there's a bunch of functions, which is a little easier to understand.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, one great thing of PyTest is that it also does support um, unit tests. You know, if, if you find, you know, if you're contributing to open source or whatever, you know, PyTest can run unit test classes and files and that kind of stuff.
0: Right, right. So, um, so we talked about, uh, uh, perimeters and, uh, in, in the testing function, and we talked about PyTest, which there's a lot more, you know, like advantages to PyTest, right? So, um, I'll put the show notes in, uh, Brian Oaken's test. It's called, it, Brian Oaken's book, it's called Python Testing with PyTest. Um, the second edition is coming out pretty fast, uh, pretty, pretty quickly, I think in the next, month or two if they hold up to the um, January 2022. So we're recording this end of 2021. Um, so that's a good good, you know, uh, starting point if you wanted to learn more about it. There's a lot more um, you know, advantages to PyTest over some of the other libraries and framework like integration with coverage, or you could have plugins. So if you're specifically testing for like Django, for example, Django, right?
1: Django is one we use heavily because they're not a bot. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. So do you want to uh, talk a little bit about like kind of PyTest and plugins or what they are and what's the advantage?
1: I honestly haven't ventured too much into that. Yeah. Um, you know, because we have our Notobot core team here. Uh, sure. I, I kind of, you know, I've ran tests and kind of understand it, but I've never really <laughs> developed my own, you know, Django tests or plugins for PyTest. Um, yeah. So I no,
0: no worries. Too much that. Yeah, no, no problem. Like, Uh, Me neither, right? So all I know was, you know, um, if you're reading PyTest, then there's a plugin for that. So, you know, automatic, like pulling like PyTest-Django or whatnot. So you install that plugin and automatically it understands a lot of the native like Django-based view controller or models and stuff like that. So it saves you a lot of work. Um, So, but the point to take take back is uh, PyTest is... Extendable. Not that the other frameworks are not, but it has a vibrant ecosystem, uh, lots of plugins that you could just install, which ultimately saves you time and effort, right?
1: Yeah. And and I think it helps also. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't have a time experience, but when I do work on Autobot uh, and run mm-hmm. tests, like if you look at the test files, if you understand Django, like because you have that wrapper, I guess, around objects in Django, your right. tests are written in a way that look like django like you know you, you're testing django object and like okay that makes sense and i don't know how it would be done without <laughs> the plugin uh, it's probably a, more lines of code and not as clear uh, yeah but it it gives that layer of abstraction which helps people that's allows me read the test
0: yeah yeah for for sure and and that's just one example right so if you're using uh, i don't know um Twisted, so there's probably a plugin for that. So it's a lot closer aligned with like the formats and yeah. the syntax and Twisted, D, um, and other other projects. So yeah, for sure. So like, if even if I just look at you know like PyTest, uh, let me pull up that screen right here. Yeah, if I just pull up like te- PyTest's uh, plugin, and you could see like there's the uh, timeout, Pepe, Flakes, um, and all of that. So so you know it. I mean. We don't pick Pytest because uh, of you know a popularity test. We pick it because it's, it has a lot of ecosystem and and plugins and uh, you know that we could leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: another another really cool one that actually. to yeah. mind is we have a library called NetUtils, and okay. that what Decode does. And we it's it's basically it's a, it's a lightweight. Um, like utility library for for network operations, like adding adding IP addresses together, getting the last host in a subnet range, stuff like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But we wanted to keep it really lightweight. So what we ended up doing uh, is using doc test within PyTest. Oh, okay. So, you know, and this kind of lends itself to us having good hygiene is all our functions require doc strings that actually test the function of that of that test and uh you know one of the plugins of python is that it, it runs that function in your in your doc string as a, the example and if yeah. it's not right you know it's going to tell you
0: yeah cool. so for for people who's not as familiar with doc uh doc tests, can you just tell us explain like just the overview of, of how that works
1: yeah so it uh in a typical doctrine you know there's we use the google uh format there might be a More proper name for that, I don't know. But um, you have, you know, docstring basically tells you about the function and and its inputs and its outputs. Um, So you have kind of a top section that I think is args, which are the arguments into your function. Uh, You define Mm -hmm. them and what what type you expect. Uh, And then you also have a section on that, which is return, which is what the function returns and what type and a little description about it. And under that, you have uh, an example section. And this is what that plugin looks at. And you uh, it's it's almost like a little lambda function, is it, it just reads that, uh, runs it in the environment, and and you just you pass in your know, input in there and uh, the output and it just checks against what you actually what, what, what you're actually seeing in the doc string.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that's what's really cool about it, right? You kind of self contain both testing and your code. <laughs> like you, you include it. Yeah. The expected output in your code, yeah, and you know, Pytest just automatically picked that up.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, I mean, we have unit tests, you know, in our own test suite, but uh, sure, it's and I think that helps with you know being able to sometimes you can't find examples for these things, you know, um, right. So it's nice you just look at the docstring, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: yeah, so that's like uh, documentation on steroids, right? Like so, you, yeah, you're documenting really and yeah. you're running, yeah. <laughs>
1: And running tests sure. on, your doc- on your document examples, yeah.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah, so this is again. your expected output. That's that's your assert equal. Yeah, um, within your documentation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we we discussed, you know, why we pick Pytest because of popularity, customization, integration, and then we talked about Pytest has a really cool feature on uh, parameterizing. I guess I guess that's a word. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and you you cover that in the second part of your block. And when you talk about like the third part of your block series, you actually talk about mocking, right? So can you tell us what, I guess, along with mocking, can you tell us what uh, like fixtures are, like tear down uh, you know, startup fixtures and then what mocks are used for?
1: Yeah. Um, so tests, any test you run, you know, the idea, especially in unit tests, uh, there are some main main points that I try and drive with with unit tests. One, you want to make sure that your test is actually testing a single unit of something. Um, right. I think it's really easy to write a test, but it end up actually testing a few things. You know, like it's right. it, You want to make sure it's testing one thing that you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And another point is is you want unit tests to be fast. Um, right. You don't want to sit there waiting minutes for your unit tests to run. Uh, and so that kind of lends to, to, to fixtures. So what fixtures yep. are and kind of the setup teardown process is yep. you can define, uh, I see it as defining kind of static data that you can pass to these functions. Yep. Um, an example being, you know, sometimes, an example being, uh, I might be writing a plugin for an Autobot and uh, I'm expecting, uh, like jSON data from Nautobot, right right i don't I don't want to spin up an instance of Nautobot, run that you know populate data in it, get that data out, and then pass it to like a testing function. sure uh, I can make a fixture that that just returns that structured data that I would be expecting um, mm-hmm. and that's it it's it's it just returns that and holds that and the great thing about fixtures is that they can be used anywhere you know you define them somewhere. Uh, and they can be used in multiple tests so if you needed that data uh, for multiple tests in your test suite you just have to define it once and you're able to use that basically wherever you want
0: yeah yeah no that's that's uh, i'm I'm glad you brought that up right because that's something that we should have covered before but we did not which was kind of the zen of testing yeah like you know you want to uh, always test just one thing you you want to have like that's the does the name unit testing, right? Like yeah. you want to test just okay. one unit um, and then you want to make it fast so that you could, uh, you scope them correctly and then you run them fast so that you could uh, run uh, lots and lots of tests without spending a lot of time uh, wasted on uh, perhaps unnecessary stuff. So back to what that parameterization again is you don't want just one test that fail; You want to run 50 tests and spe- specifically knowing which one failed, if any of them
1: failed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, speed, speed, and unit tests is a is a really big one. You know, you always get the, I don't know if you, when I was in school and stuff, you get the people that you know you would say your code's compiling. Like, why aren't you working? Oh, my code's compiling. You know. And then <laughs> I've seen other people say, Yeah, it's it's running its test suite. I don't know, I can't do anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: You, know, you want to yeah, make unit sure test it's. Fast.
0: You throw that over the wall and until it comes back, you you can't do anything about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: But that's kind of uh, what the fixtures do is they allow you to pass data into uh, your different test functions. And I use a fixture, I believe, in the second blog post. One of them, I do use a fixture. Right. Um, A very, very basic one. But, you know, the idea is that you can use it for anything. and I think the setup teardown I think is from unit test. I think that's a unit test thing. Um, okay, but obviously it can be used in Pytest. And the idea of that is um, these setup teardown f- functions can be used to set something up, kind of like uh, kind of like an environment for your tests. And the way I've seen it used is to instantiate like a dummy database. Uh, yeah or like integration testing you know if you need to stand up a dummy database you know right. you want to set that you don't want to set up a dummy database for every test you want right. to set it up once for your test suite and then tear it down after uh, yeah that's so the in most common i've seen that
0: right so in you know if we overlay like just concrete examples so what adam is it's the first one that you use the fixture so essentially you have a uh non-normalized MAC address, and then you have a normalized expected MAC address, right? So you you want to have those always available to every single test that you have. So your fixture was just, you know, uh, add a, a decorator in front of it, and then you'll always have them for the rest of your test.
1: Yeah. Um, and those are, those are very simple ones, obviously. They just return a string. Sure. Uh, but yeah, the idea is there. And that's, you know, one thing that PyTest you know, one pro of PyTest, you know, you put a decorator on it and voila, it's a fixture and you can use it anywhere, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It's a, yeah, I mean, a really cool part.
0: Decorator is almost like magic, right? Like you yeah, put man. it in front of it and voila, there yeah. it is, you know? Um, yeah. And now, now it's like an API.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's nuts. Some black magic there for sure.
0: Right. And, and mocking is like what, um, Adam was talking about was you're, um, you're trying to fake like a transaction. So if you imagine, um, as he was saying, uh, you're, you're going out there, you're trying to get um, uh, I don't know, like a Nexus device uh, output back, right? But you don't always have a Nexus device. Imagine if you're running this test in a self-contained environment where you want to keep everything else constant, but your own code as the variable that you're testing, right? You can't always go out and get that uh, Nexus, uh, you know, output back. What if it's down? What if it's not working? Or what if it's just flat out broken? Has a new version, um, has nothing to do with what you're testing. So your mocking allows you to just fake that response to keep that consistent. So, you know, first it keeps it consistent, and also it keeps it um, fast, right? You don't always yeah. have to go out and make that API call.
1: That's definitely one huge pro is making it fast. Um. Yeah, mocking is a is a whole nother a whole another iceberg thing. Um, it's not only can it be used, and I guess you know in the in the testing world, at least in the you'll hear you know mocking and patching, um, and they're kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the I guess the idea behind them is the same. Uh, you're you're faking something, um, but mocking kind of like you said you're mocking uh, uh i see it as mocking something like a call or you know, a database as you a said a database or something like that right um, and that just makes it so you don't have to rely on something really you're just mocking that right Whereas patching at least the way i think of it is that um it's your you're changing you're mocking like like a function or class um within your code it's 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 pretty confusing honestly <laughs> the more you start reading about it but and that's actually my idea for my you know part 4 here we come sure. is um is oh, wow. the, kind of the nice. magic magic mock and how magic mock works in in uh in testing cuz the number of things you can do when you mock a function or class is insane
0: okay um nice yeah okay yeah so no i i was just trying to read back and i i could have swear i saw that somewhere said this is the final part but you know you're right I it didn't say so. part three was the final so i'm i'm gonna hold you up for it yeah magic mocking
1: all right um and that you know when you do that um you can assert that that functions you can i don't know if i did it in one of my blog posts but you can Uh, mock returns from specific functions within Mm -hmm. a class, or um, you know, you can check that uh, when you that a function was ran X amount of times when you called something, um, it's it's honestly like the amount of things you can test when you mock a function or class within your code is is insane,
0: Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, because it is a mature. You know, technology is widely used, so that means it's solving all kinds of problems for people. Um, so that means it's it's a lot of different branches and different edge cases that people already encounter, and they you know kind of integrate it back into the uh, to the framework or library. Um, so definitely, you know, um, there's a lot to it for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So at go ahead. I was going to say yeah, there's a hopefully blog post for will help some when I get that. Out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right i'm i'm gonna hold you to it yeah. and i'll look forward to that part four and part five and six and yeah whatever, just keep going I guess. That is. exactly until you have like a whole book worth yeah and you just publish it <laughs> <laughs> nice that that that's probably how brian did his probably <laughs> just start. yeah just to start having all this example i go well you know somebody should just publish it and look in the mirror and that's what i did yeah um but but Adam, I, I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, why we use PyTest and we we throw all these like, you know, uh, end-to-end testing, integration testing, and uh, we talk about mocking, parameterizing. So it sounds all very complicated, right? But I don't want to scare people in thinking testing needs to be this whole complicated thing. So how, you know, in your opinion, how can people get, as network engineers, how can people get started with writing more tests for their code? Because it, like you said, it's good hygiene.
1: Right. I would think, well, one, with the help of PyTest, you you don't need to know uh, as much. You know, we said it has the lower and uh, barrier of entry into there. So, right. you know, once you start learning a little bit of Python, you you should be pretty soon looking towards towards PyTest. And mm-hmm. I think what I would say is is think of little functions that are applicable in the network world. Um you know mac address is the one that always came to my head but right. say you wanted to uh, i don't know change change uh, like a description on an interface you know you might be able to write a test that takes in a dictionary of 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 how paramico or something uh, returns interface values and then spit it out and just make a test yeah the idea is, and I think with anything is, is you just, especially with, with testing is you just need to do it. Um, yeah. when you first start, you're not testing, you know, you're not testing for, uh, I'm just going to think like the newest halo. Cause halo came out like two days ago, but <laughs> you're not writing a test that, you know, is going to be shipped out, out of Microsoft. You know, you're getting familiar with it. Uh, yeah. So even if it's just, you know, write a test that your function adds two numbers together. Right. Uh, that's, that's a great one to start, you know? Yeah. And then,
0: in fact, I think that's one of the examples in <laughs> the starter guide, right?
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it is actually, yeah, the sum, like your sum function. Yeah, um, yeah. But definitely as network engineers, you want to try and think about how you would do that. Um, our TC library yeah. was really helpful for me as I learned more about PyTest. Uh, the coverage on that repository is, is pretty high.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and the tests are a little complicated. There's a lot of mocking, um, yeah. but once you understand it, it it really you once you kind of know what's going on, it, it you can look at that and, and see, oh yeah, like you know this is how testing something in the networking world looks like, right? And that that helps, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I especially like the fact that you put this into the network engineering world, right? Because I think contacts do. Matter a whole lot here. It's like yes. I could read 10,000 Python examples, but none of them deal with what I have to deal with on a daily basis: IP address, MAC address, interface description, BGP, that sort of stuff. But once you put those into the context, then it's relatable, and yeah. you could see how you could help you.
1: Yeah, and now you know when I was getting into it, you know, I I would Google Pytest, and like you said, everything's you know make sure your sum function works, make sure your Square function works, you know, like that Right. doesn't like, okay. I kind of understand, <laughs> but I don't, I want to, you know, I'm a network engineer at core, right. you know, I need, an, I need, right. I need better examples that help me. Um, yeah. Net utils are other, uh, maybe you can, you know, put that link is those tests are actually pretty simple. Uh, mm-hmm. Those would be great tests to look at and kind of understand because the functions are so simple. Um, yeah. But yeah, the idea was to get it, in the networking world because it's it's hard enough wrapping your head around it when it the context doesn't even apply like it only adds more difficulty to that
0: right you're like hey i have a calculator i don't need to test that sum function i know it works right? yeah like uh
1: <laughs> i can add you know and, yeah and you exactly. in really fact more.
0: my 80 year old could add better than <laughs> that you know like why am i spending hours uh you know filling with the sum function but uh but no you're right so i think I, what i like uh two parts what i like about adam's uh blocks and and you know just ntc blocks in general one is that it's put into a network engineering context, and second is it um is scope it down enough so that it's uh, understandable and relevant so like like you said right you don't have to be a uh, programmer in order to get started with testing so for example in his first blog post you know he has a uh, what is it, four lines of code to define a function to normalize your, your MAC address. And then he has another three lines of code for that test function mm-hmm. to, you know, excluding your fixtures and all that. But another three lines. So t- for a total of six, seven lines, you know, that you're able to do tests. And uh, those are the the kind of getting started that we need is putting to the correct context and make it simple enough to understand so that we could explore the new stuff, right? Which is PyTest. But we already know MAC address. We already know, you know, uh, Python functions. But we just need to learn PyTest that's relevant to us.
1: Yep. And that, you know, that that helped me um, kind of wrap my head around it. Uh, I guess another, you know, another going would be the IP addresses, you know, maybe changing a cider to an actual, you know, <laughs> actual octet of values and testing that, you know.
0: Right. Hey, you know, the, it's a good idea. Um, so changing like slot notation, right? So a lot of times, um, even like, I think it was uh, Nexus, or maybe it was iOS XE, like they used a, a slash notation, right? Slash 24, slash 27, 28, versus like a subnet mask with 255, 255, 248, whatever. Um, so like, you know, maybe we could, or not not we you, <laughs> maybe you could write some you know test function and and illustrate how pytest could um you know validate that your function is working, but but you know I'm not assigning more t- more work to you. I'm just you know brainstorming.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's the more you think about it, you actually start realizing wow there's a lot of things I could actually test for you know because there's a lot of ambiguity in the networking especially when you get like cross vendors. Yeah. You know? yeah maybe everything in the even within cisco you know like nexus versus ios versus ios xr and all that stuff so yeah
0: yeah they're just um they're a big umbrella called cisco but underneath it's like less individual little mushrooms and (laughs) they'll look very different (laughs)
1: yeah it's kind of annoying at times but that's
0: okay you said it i didn't (laughs) But, but no i i agree Definitely. It's like, um, yeah, and you're not even talking about like Meraki or no. UCS, right? No. Like we're just talking about routers and switches and there's yeah. a- already m- much differentiation there. Um, yeah. So Adam, you know, we, we cover a whole whole bunch, you know, PyTest, we cover about different levels of testing, you know, kind of different fixtures, mocking. Um, so is there any, you know, call to action for you um, on just testing in general? Um.
1: What do you mean, I guess?
0: Yeah. So, like, I think um, for people, we talk about getting started uh, with testing. Is there any call to action? Like, how to get, you know, uh, once you get past that, you know, do you want to uh, direct people to, uh, you know, write their own test? or is it, it like you said, looking at more NTC libraries? Um, So, is there any um, call to action? Like, just get started testing?
1: (laughs) I think, well, one, you know, get started testing locally. Sure, um, and then you know get stuff working. But the next best thing, I think, would be to try and actually make a contribution to one of our repositories. You okay, know, we have a ton of open source repositories. Right, um, that's a
0: good call to action.
1: And making a PR, you're gonna get. You know, we're gonna look at your code, and there's gonna be people with way more experience in in Python than myself sure. looking at your code, and you'll you'll learn. And I think that's a really Really good thing, and I even do that here. You know, Uh, Mm -hmm. we're big enough now that you know I don't know every repository we have going on. You know, and someone else might be working on something. But if I don't know that technology or want to better understand what that repository is doing, you know, I'll try and add a feature or you know refactor some code or something and make a PR because one, you have to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, typically you have to write some kind of test for that as well. Um, yeah, so that I would be, you know, probably probably the next best bet. And you know, obviously, it doesn't have to be one of our open sources. Hundreds of open sure. sources projects out there. Sure. Um, sure, And they all they all test. I can assure you, they all test. <laughs> so, <laughs> all
0: right, don't would be my... don't submit your PR without some tests, right? And then yeah. you know that's a good practice ground to actually bounce some ideas. So I think that's a, a another thing that. Uh, it's intimidating for people to start with. It's making a PR and like you said, having people look at your code, mm-hmm. but don't be right. Like that's another way to learn. And that's another way to just communicate is uh, just pick out those brain and you guys have a common thing to work at. I know I learned the most when I I learned the most about Ansible when I finally submit my PR or modules through, to merge upstream and you know, it, it uh, writing that module was a, a very good learning experience to begin with, but, you know, talking to the maintainer, that was an yeah. even better way to kind of know their thought process, their structure. So don't worry about it. We're all in the same boat. So, you know, make a PR, maybe, maybe Adam will review your code and maybe. you know how he's a nice guy.
1: <laughs> maybe. Uh, and yeah, that's the thing, you know, you opening a PR, you're not going to break anything, you know, you're not yeah. going to merge a PR that's broken. Right. So, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they will. I'm sure there have been instances. Yeah.
0: Make a different branch, and, yeah. and then, then you're for sure you're not yeah. merging. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. But I, that's the yeah. thing. You know, you will learn, and it is intimidating. But you know, 99% of the people that have reviewed my PRs are nice about it. You know, they don't. They're not mean about it. You know, they just they <laughs> want you to learn, and and they were in that same position at some point too. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would roger that for like just open source project in general, right? 99% of the time it's it's good. And for that one percent, the the benefit far outweighs you know, that one percent.
1: Yeah, it does. Um so yeah, that'd be my call to action, I guess. And you know, I even do that here internally to repos I don't yeah. I don't know that I'm not personally working on, but I want to learn more about.
0: Nice. Nice. No, that's a good call to action. Sorry to put you on the spot. That was oh, a nice thing.
1: i think that's that's good that's why that's what i would do
0: okay cool hey adam i i had a great time chatting about testing like i said i think it's one of the overlooked subject but it's important to at least know about these different terms and and stuff right so uh thanks for thanks for taking the time and thanks for being on the show
1: yeah no thank you for having me it was it was a pleasure
0: Yeah. So, thanks for listening to Network Automation Nerds podcast today. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast platforms. Until next time, bye bye. Bye, Adam. Bye. bye.